Welcome along to Access All Areas. Episode 1 coming up after a wee short introduction from myself, Stephen Watt, and my wingman, John Cassidy. We are of Young Hearts Run Free podcast fame. Those familiar with our library of episodes will know us well, but there'll be some new listeners and we just wanted to, before we get joined by our guests for the week, wanted to introduce ourselves and where this whole escapade is going, aren't we, John? Definitely. I think we are very excited and privileged to have been invited by the Montane Lakeland 50 and 100 team to be a part of this year's build-up to the big event taking place in July. Both Stephen and I have had our foot on the route of the 50, at least, but we're going to cover a whole lot more than that. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting times for us, Stephen, isn't it? It definitely is. I think you said you're excited. I'm officially up to high dough at Malky levels. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put that. I'm sure you were thinking it. But, yeah, we, like John said, really, really took us by surprise a wee bit. I think that we, we got a tap on the shoulder from the race director himself, Mark Lathwaite, who we'd actually thought, we'll hate to get that Mark Lathwaite on the podcast one week. Turns out Aye. Mark Lathwaite is already a fan, after Aye. our, especially after our Lakeland 50 coverage that we've so well put together over the last couple of years around about <laughs> July time. <laughs> we've invested quite a lot of time in, in the lakes. As it's all been for this moment. Yeah, both. Really. It's all been building up to this. We've been physically, emotionally attached to the Lakeland course. And it's, th- this is brilliant for us because we like speaking about running. We like speaking about trails. We like speaking about food. And we cover all of that with our most wonderful guests, don't we? We do. We don't get into undercarriages. We might get into undercarriages with guests later in the series, but knowing this first one, on this first one, we talk about all sorts of relevant stuff that is going to be, I'd say something in there for for everybody. That's a bit cliche, yeah. I know, but you know, whether you're first time doing the races, whether you've done them a few times, or indeed if you're a veteran, or can what, even if you've never done them, and never ever likely to do them, there's still loads of good takeaways here for runners, trail runners, ultra runners, and actually just Aubrey. That's a good advert, eh? That's it, in a nutshell, what you've just said there. So, and you know what? You might never actually put on a pair of running shoes, but maybe one of your family members does. And you're thinking, what's all that about? So, that's what we're here to, sorry, what's all that about? We are yes. here to. Oh, yes. get... We will try and put on our our best Sunday yes. accents, so to speak. Yeah, but a lot of debunking the myths and. Yeah, exactly that. What's it? What is it they call the youngins? Sort of life hacks. Oh, I'm too old for that. Carry on. But you know what? The, Stephen's very well described the 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 premise of this, and it's to give people information. Stephen and I. First, we're in the lakes in 2021. And in that year, early in that year, 2021, we were desperate for information about the Lakeland 50 route 
and we looked at videos on YouTube and we read blogs and stuff. So the whole idea behind this is to bring all that to you from the heart of the Montane Lakeland community. And that's what we are here to do. And I think our first episode recording with the wonderful Emma Stewart has done exactly that. Yeah, totally sets us on our way. And yeah, hopefully you get what the intention is. Lighthearted, mostly relatable. Even though Emma is at the sharp end of the field, she, she's got a hell of a lot of takeaways that will be really helpful for everybody. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? Emma was very patient with us because we are not at the sharp end. We are your... Stephen, you could call yourself a mid-packer, would you? Yeah, you, you would be in the mid-pack. Slapping in about the mid, mid-pack. Whereas I'm... I'm picking up the coo's tail. That's at the far end. But Emma was very gracious with us. So if you are going to be rocking up to Coniston on the 28th to the 30th of July this year, this is just for you. You're going to lap this right up. What's the sense in sharing? Big welcome along to Access All Areas, a joint venture between the Lakeland 100 and the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. I'm Stephen Watt, he's John Cassidy, and we are joined by Emma Stewart for episode one. How are we today, Emma? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, how are you guys? Awesome. Good. All the better for seeing you. Oh, thank you. I'm a wee I'm a wee bit excited. I like new things and this is a new thing, so um yeah, I'm excited about this. He's also on his best behaviour. Yeah, very much. He's had his written rules and regulations. (laughs) I've got them just here in front of me. I've got them just here in front of me. They may also be thrown out the window at some point as well. But we'll see how it goes. So yeah, this is a bit of a first for us, Emma, because we're used to just chatting to people like voice rather than people seeing us in the flesh so apologies as that's a, a a bit of a fright for anybody viewing but there you go this is what you've got um, but we are here to talk about the late 100 and the 50 it's what february we're in just now so five five and a bit months till the big day arrives mm. and we want to start ramping up anticipation for the big day and what better place to start than a wee chat with Emma who has a pretty nifty record over the last couple of years down in the lakes hasn't she just John? Oh most definitely and you know what we've often when we're recording a podcast come across times where we both had a foot on the route at the same time Mm -hmm. and in both 2021 and 2022 the three of us shared the same route although emma took the long way around last year she did um but i think let's dive right in how would you describe emma the lakeland hundred route in three words for me type two fun (laughs) not to say it's for everybody could be type one for lots of people maybe type three fun for me, the route's type two fun. Some Brilliant. bits are pretty hard. Some of it's really enjoyable. But yeah, looking back, 
you think, yeah, I suffered at the time, but it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, I probably did enjoy it. <laughs> cool. And I think people listening into this, watching this, will be there will be some first timers. I'm sure we'll cover some of that in a wee while. But there'll be pe- there's people that go back and do it again. And again. Crazy folk go back and do it again and again and again. So um what would be good though, Emma, was if we could hear about your journey to Lakeland, what took you to, to the start line. A wee just a wee bit backstory about Emma Stewart's running history. Uh yeah, well I'm um I'm a bit of a latecomer to the sport. So um only really started running probably about four, four and a half years ago. Um, primarily because my partner James had signed up to do the Lakeland 50 so um, he had just signed up when I met him um, which I think must have been 2018 uh, so he was going to run it in 2019 so um, yeah kind of through him um, I kind of did a couple of half marathons and then I just jumped straight from half marathons to 50ks um, and I did my first 50k on the Isle of Man the Manx Mountain Marathon that was really good um yeah and managed to place second female in that um off the back of not a huge amount of training so that kind of gave me the confidence to say oh hang on a minute maybe I can do this um yeah and then from then on I kind of did a few more 50ks did quite well in them um and then signed up to the um probably my first longish ultramarathon was the lap that's 47 miles and then the Lakeland 50 50 miles obviously um, and then kind of then I've just been steadily going further and further so I've just completed the arc 100 the arc of attrition in Cornwall um, yeah and I have another 100 mile race this year and then I'm hopefully going up to a bit further distance Tour de Géants just to see how far I can go and how fast I can go, really. Wow. What a, um, yeah, that is a steep entry into the world of ultramarathon, isn't it, John? It's like, um, mm. yeah, a half marathon, ah, 50k, came second, and then a couple <laughs> of years later, almost, you're at the Tour de Jean. <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, your, your Lakeland 50 debut was 2021. Yes, I think was I supposed to run it in 2020, but obviously mm-hmm. that got pushed by the wayside. So yeah, um, had kind of 18 months of no racing really. So um, yeah, that was that was uh, my first kind of yeah, my first like real serious massive 50 miler. Yeah, so that was that was pretty good. And 2021 was the the Blues Brothers year, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I still yeah. really like that T-shirt. Blue. My Navy wife wears blue. my wife wears that with pride, actually. She loves that t-shirt. Um, well, I didn't I didn't get one, John. <laughs> I can give you Susan's if you want. Or could you? Um, I, I DNF'd. Just I will, we'll get to that as well though. Not just talk about that, but okay. DNFs in general, I think. I'm just speak been yeah. therapy for the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> but you've you've scratched the itch. This is not about us. No, I know. I know. Emma. I was just made right. jealous about the t-shirt that Emma was loving. <laughs> I've no gotten. I've got a side question already, and it is what did you do, Emma, in that eighteen months when there was no racing? Very little, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I didn't do a huge amount of training because I had nothing to train for. So the only thing I really did of interest was. Um, 
I ran 60 kilometers around my back garden, which was 527 laps, uh, which not many people know about, but it was actually quite fun. <laughs> yeah, it took, uh, yeah, it took a bit of a mental, mental uh, perseverance really to do that. But uh, yeah, that was pretty good. But no, aside from that, I didn't really do anything, just worked. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there still a track in your back garden after all the laps? I'm sure there is. We've moved house since. I've got an even smaller <laughs> garden now. Probably be about 2,000 laps around my current garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant. It was all these little personal endeavours that everybody was doing yeah. during the lockdown. And um, yeah. yeah, 527 laps of the garden at, at one point in time would have just been, why are you deranged? Um, yeah. But during that time, it was like becoming the only option wasn't it, it was, yeah, um, yeah, totally, yeah yeah you've seen all these activities in Strava and you're like what have they been up to <laughs> GPS <laughs> bouncing all over the place we got that we had the same email you probably got Emma in uh, 2020 that Lakeland wasn't happening you know and then so we were lining up the next year and then it seemed to be a long time away let's not worry about that just now and then i think and one of the reasons that we're doing these sort of uh video casts first time i've ever said that word one of the reasons we're doing these video casts is to help people along the way to that start line um in in july so um let's dig a wee bit deeper though into Emma Stewart, who's your running inspirations, Emma? That's a tough question, really. I, uh, it's going to sound so horribly cliched, but like anyone who gets out there and does something in the great outdoors for whatever reason, be it a personal challenge or, or for whatever reason, really does encourage me to go out and do something too. So, you know, be that someone who's come back from bad accident or or something like that they just you know people who shouldn't be out there doing what they're doing um you know that just to have that drive to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors is always going to inspire me and then there's phenomenal athletes absolutely phenomenal athletes that I look up to every day um yeah most of them for me are, are going to be you know phenomenal female athletes because that's what I aspire to be um, so, you know, I could I could name names all day, but, you know, the likes of Beth Pascal, who she's absolutely phenomenal athlete um, who's unfortunately had a, a a couple of years out due to injury. But no doubt she'll be back or or um, being a vet. And, um, you know, I, I look up to the, the great female vet athletes like Sabrina and Jasmine and, um, you know, how they can fit these sort of achievements into their life, because I know how busy it is being a vet. Um, how hard it is, how stressful it is. Um, so, so that sort of, you know, those sort of people really inspire me. And then, and then the, the greats, the legends, the fell running legends like Nikki Sphinx and, and people like that. There are all these people who, you know, they, they, they just go out there and just do something because that's what they want to do. And it's, it's a choice at the end of the day. So, um, yeah, anyone who, who does these things are always going to inspire me to, to try and, do my own challenges really and and to see like I say I, I mostly race people ask me why I race you know why do I enjoy racing I don't enjoy racing to be competitive against everyone else I enjoy racing because I want to be competitive with myself I want to perform to the best of my ability 
And yes, if that means, you know, placing high in the ranks, that's absolutely fine. But for me, it's about me going out there and doing the best that I can. And I think that's all you can you can do when you try these things, you know, whether you, you know, even if you DNF, you know, as long as you've given it absolutely everything, doesn't matter, that's still an achievement. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, quite a list of uh, the inspirations there. It was uh, oh, yeah. a who's yeah. who, a who's who. And getting back to Lakeland and the, the roots, your 2021 debut at the 50 resulted in a first place finish. We also ran that day, as we've already covered. It was a warm one, 2021. Yeah. How did you find that? Um, that experience the, the, just thinking of the 50 yeah it was a tough day it was really hot and I did suffer I didn't suffer that badly with the heat itself it was more I suffered a bit with leg cramps um I ended up tripping quite badly um the far end of Hawswater, you know on the quite technical bit oh, yeah. absolutely smashed my knee open um and after that I don't know whether it was, I just had these awful, horrible leg cramps and I couldn't get rid of them. And I think that was probably to do with the heat a little bit. Um, but yeah, in general, I did, I did enjoy it. I do think it was quite hot. And I think I would like to think I can run a faster time than that. I wasn't mega, mega pleased with my time. Um, and I would like to think in maybe, you know, slightly cooler conditions, being able to control the leg cramps a bit better. I might be able to do a bit better, but um yeah, still, it was a it was a tough course that day. That's for sure. I'm not going to lie, it was tough. Um, and I remember passing um, Nicola Duncan, who's this phenomenal Irish runner as well, really really good. She also did the arc. Um, I remember just running down. She was in the lead, and I was running down towards Sadgill, and she just stopped, just stopped in the middle of the path. And uh, and at that point, I overtook her and I spoke to her afterwards and she just said the heat coming down there. She just couldn't. It was horrific. It was stifling coming down that trail. Um, and, you know, and I know she suffered as a consequence of it, definitely. And, yeah, so there's a lot of people who, who did suffer that day because of it. I think you just touched on something and it brought back a memory for me was the um, th the way that the heat collected in yeah. the in the in the valleys or the the glens that we as we'd call them, it was almost yeah. um it took certainly took me by surprise. Um and having read up about it and other people's views on it since, you can see how a warm day presents a set of challenges that sometimes we don't get much opportunity to prepare for. Do you know? Such was the um, I'm pretty sure it was about forty degrees that day, wasn't it, John? <laughs> like, at least Edging. forty. Edge in 42, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. It was a warmest that, day on record. The, no, the, bit that, really. the bit that Emma's speaking about Hawswater, is that where you go along the side of that water and it's like the big triffid plants are up oh, high? The yeah. Oh, God, it's like the worst part of the route. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Got lots of raptors <laughs> hiding in there. Oh, it's awful. It is. It's like something out of Jurassic Park and you're just thinking of all the ticks that are clean. You're hoping that enough people are in front of you that they've cleared all the bloody ticks away from you. It's just like, you're just like, oh God, I'm getting Lyme's disease, that's for sure. <laughs> you're like bashing them. Well, see, if, if you hang about where I am at the end, all the ticks are away. 
It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. But you know what, though? You've touched on something that is very valid for people coming down and maybe for post-race to be checking for ticks. That is very, very important. You get a wee tick scooper, don't you? A wee plastic thing you can buy. It's probably not called that. It's probably called a tick remover yes. <laughs> tick device. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, first warning, February 2023, the first warning, be checking yourself for ticks. When you're out wrecking and when you're out running about in the trails, make sure that you check yourself. And if you've got a dog with you, check the dog as well. There you go. And I will just say something. So my partner, James, he actually got Lyme's disease in February 2019. So they are out early in the season. Um, he's yeah. not sure where he picked it up. But, um, yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, it, it it is out there. And, you know, you, you do need to be mindful because they do end up in lots of little nooks and crannies. So check yeah. them all. <laughs> I'd just like to clarify that James was included in your list of running inspirations by the people who get out there. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah James is definitely. He was the one who introduced me to it. Yeah, quite a big part. There's always a James and everybody. He will probably listen to this. So I'll say, yeah, I love you, James. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then the, the rest of that, the, your fifty experience, you know, it ended up a successful day out. You were at the first place on the podium anyway, so it couldn't have been that bad. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. It was It was a good day out. It was. I was just annoyed that I'd let the cramps get to me. Okay. <laughs> the leg cramps didn't take enough salt, you know. I was going to say that because it's a problem that um, many of us will, will suffer with, especially on those warm days where you're sweating more profusely. Um, yeah. and caught, and, and, have, you, have you found anything that combats it or do you still have to find your secret sort of no definitely salt tablets make a difference for okay. me it's, it varies for everybody yeah but again it's managing yourself like ultra running so so much of it is not about speed it's about managing yourself and it's things like that that sometimes I do neglect in races that later on I'll I'll learn to regret um and it is just managing yourself and like recognizing you know um well, A, like the early symptoms of cramp, um, B, making sure that you have plenty of salt and that you're staying hydrated, that you're using electrolytes, not just water. Um, you know, like just taking water can end up being quite dangerous on, on particularly if it is a hot day. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's managing yourself. It's just looking after yourself and listening. If there's something niggling away, like a little blister on your foot that you stop and you dress it straight away, little niggle of a cramp that you stop and you dress it straight away like that's that's what's going to make the difference between you know finishing it mm -hmm. finishing it well and not finishing it is looking after yourself sage advice yeah i'm i'm smiling because that is very sage advice and you know what there'll be people in august this year going i listened to that podcast i watched that video cast i should have so this is your another early warning. Emma's just giving you great advice. If it starts entering your brain, deal with it. Don't put it off and say, I'll get it at the next checkpoint. Deal with it when you can. And I was I was smiling because when you mentioned there about not drinking too much water, the hill that you come down towards that Hoswater bitty, 
you go over a wee bridge and there's a burn, a, a river there, and it was so hot in 2021. I had my head in that burn trying to cool myself. It was unbelievable. And I, I remember I was wearing my favourite bucket of hat that I lost later on. Um, and I actually just kept, anywhere there was water, I was soaking my bucket hat in it and just sticking on it to try and cool, keep myself cool, you know. Um, it was 2022, we were, Steve and I were back again. It was a much better day weather-wise, more more manageable, but, but different challenges as well when it's that wet way. I must, can we speak about this? Maybe jumping about a wee bit. You can answer this just now or you can wait until we speak about the, the 100. That last technical section you got the jacob's ladder bit right and then you it's almost like rock climbing right <laughs> oh that's what it feels like to me I, I, I keep you forgetting, don't live in the lakes <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep forgetting people will see this right and my facial i don't even know what you're on about oh the bit you got you got up jacob's ladder right and then you go oh, uh, yeah, you climb, yeah, and then you come yeah. before you yeah. come down to the fire track there's a bit that it's just like you have to be a mountain goat to go down that. Maybe you are a mountain goat though. Listen, I must say it's maybe worse in the dark. Aye, maybe. <laughs> it feels like mountain mountain climbing in the dark. Um, you've maybe yeah, had to tackle probably. it in the dark, Emma. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not technical. That's definitely not technical. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, as you tell, John. That's no brilliant. technical, mate. So, yeah, chastised. I get that. That's fine. That's okay. So, you mentioned about the salts and the cramps and all that sort of stuff. What was your, was that your big learning from the 50 going into the 100? No, I never learn anything from my mistakes. I just, <laughs> I, can talk, I can talk about them in retrospect, but I'll do exactly the same thing next time. Right. No, I definitely... Actually, it wasn't the 50 that made me realise like how debilitating cramps can be. It was actually a race I did in October um, where I forgot my salt tablets. And uh, that was really debilitating um, because I, co- I couldn't run. Like my legs were just totally cramped up. Whereas in the Lakeland 50, they were they were they were a niggle, if that made sense. They were just mm-hmm. they weren't race ending. They were just a niggle. Whereas the race that I had in October where I completely forgot my salt tablets, that was almost race ending I did finish it but um yeah it was pretty hard um but yeah like definitely with, with the thing is in the late 100 this or last year it wasn't quite as hot so it didn't need to worry about it quite as much and it was dry uh or sorry it was it was quite wet actually at times but the start of it was quite dry but it wasn't too hot um but yeah that yeah I think with more races, I am getting more experience. Like I am reasonably, I'm not inexperienced now, but I don't have as as long a running career as many people who are doing these races. And a lot of people will have started the conventional route, starting with kind of half marathons, marathons, etc. Whereas I didn't really do that. So yeah, a lot of it is learning curves. But I do quite big training days out, so I do go out for big, big long days, kind of six seven eight nine hours so for me that's kind of my learning process and i try and kind of dial all that stuff in so that when i do come to the race it's second nature to do certain things like taking um salt tablets or 
taking food on or whatever it is, you know, making sure that I'm well hydrated, etc. That's interesting. Very interesting because I know that, and if you're out in a mass event like this, a mass with of people, you'll hear alarms and beeps going off and things like that. As people reminding themselves on their if it's their watch or their phone, they set an alarm to remember to take a gel or to eat or to do something. So you're saying you've got that programmed in? Well, yes, to some extent. I don't I don't like those beeps because they do my head in, but um, I will try and like take nutrition on every half an hour and it doesn't always work like that. But, you know, try and listening, it's listening to your body, you know, listening to, to things. You know, if you if you know, you should know yourself better than anyone else knows you. So mm-hmm. it's just listening to these little little alarms going off, you know, oh, I'm starting to feel a bit low. Like you should always be trying to preempt these things. So I should, if I run a, a good race, like, you know, like my arc race was probably the best I've ever run, you know, I didn't end up getting low points because I preempted them. So I was like, well, if I don't eat now, I am going to feel low. Or if I, you know, if I don't take on some solid food, I am going to feel really sick. So it's like, it's knowing and yeah, and preempting everything and trying to be ahead of the game. As I say time and time again, ultra running is, it's so much more of a, um, a mind you know a mind game rather than than anything else and you know the the fitness is is it is important but it is actually a much smaller component of it than it would be for a road marathon or something like that it's all about yeah again repeating myself managing yourself yeah. <laughs> yeah, i can race management yeah it's a it's a thing that develops isn't it it doesn't just and i think emma said a great line there nobody knows you better than you know yourself that that applies to every single person mark asked has asked a question on the facebook community page or if if, if if people have questions and just when you're talking there there's already been a number of great tips i think hopefully people are taking note of these hell menji if you know but what i would say is there's a question has come in from jillian mcgill while we're still speaking about the lakeland 50 um what would be your best tip for a Lakeland 50 first timer, Emma? I think you just got to keep moving. Just keep moving. That's the thing. It's like as soon as you stop or lose a lot of time faffing or it, it just becomes a lot more, more difficult. So it's just keep moving. Um, you know, the, the cutoff times are pretty generous. So even if you're concerned that you're not going to be fast enough, actually, if you're efficient in, in moving, you're you're not going to be timed out. You just have to be efficient and keep moving. And um, one thing for me, like, yes, it might be hard to keep running, like to physically run, but actually everybody can keep putting one foot in front of the other and you can keep walking. Like, it's amazing how we can keep moving forward even when you think you can't so i think that's that's probably one of the most important things for me uh, again for the 50 i think recce in the route is really important uh, well for both the 50 and the 100 actually recce in the route um because so i'm a big believer in wrecking all routes i'll never go into a race without recce in it uh primarily because i'm rubbish at navigation and i like to get lost but also it allows me to um kind of analyze the terrain 
you know, decide, okay, well, I can run this section. That's a really good section. Or, oh God, this is a really big climb. So I'm going to eat something at the base of this climb, or I'm going to eat something on my way up. Um, you know, just preparing yourself mentally, preparing yourself for quite technical sections, like your Tilberthwaite section that you're talking about, you know, mentally preparing yourself for that. If you know it's going to be hard, it's a lot easier to cope with it. Like, for example, I know that that Hawes water section for me is quite challenging because it's quite relentlessly technical, but also quite runnable. But knowing that before I get onto that section helps me a lot. Um, yeah, and I think it's uh, and it's knowing your kit, you know, you know, having your kit, what you think you're going to carry on the day, um, training with it, um, you know, knowing what sort of conditions it works in. So if you've got a waterproof jacket, you know, is it going to cope with being saturated for 12, 15, 20. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's knowing your kit, it's knowing your nutrition. There's there's there is lots of things you can prepare for. But again, yeah, I think that the two biggest uh, certainly like I say the recce and for people who aren't in the lakes, the um bus network system is actually really, really good in the lakes. So make use of it. Um yes, you might have to wait a bit of time, you know, but they usually do run every hour. So make use of it to make your recce's a bit easier. So, yeah, that's a great tip. Get mm-hmm. down. It was one thing that John and I both regretted that we weren't able to do during the COVID because we were restricted traveling. We weren't able to get down to the lakes to get our foot on the route. That's what we call it. Um, and it was a, definitely a big regret of mine because I think I was taken aback a wee bit but by not so much the technical aspects of the terrain, but just there's something quite, um, you know, you, you build up a vision of something in your head and you it's not what you imagine and it can kind of knock you for six. And I think what you've just sort of regaled, Emma, is that the importance of just, okay, my expectations, I know what's coming ahead. I know that I can cope with that, et cetera, et cetera. One thing that I wanted to touch on was, um, and it's kind of going back a wee bit to race management and, and whatnot, something that isn't permitted at the lakes is for you to have support out on the route you know it's you're you're self-sufficient albeit you've got the aid stations which are um, numerous and well stocked and you get a good bit of motivation from them kick up the arse etc in terms of that lack of actual support for john and i it's around about being able to run past a chip shop and no go in it okay (laughs) at at the areas of the race that we're in which is a bit of a challenge from time to time but the is that an aspect that you had to contend with? You said you did big sort of eight, nine hour days out. On, is that on your own? You're usually doing that? Yeah, usually, yeah. Or, or right. with your partner, James, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the checkpoints are a different one, a difficult one, because um, I probably, I do struggle a bit with nutrition, uh, which uh-huh. is something I know, I'm aware of that, so I need to work on it. Um, so for me, the checkpoints are great. You know, the atmosphere is fantastic and everybody's really helpful. Um, but particularly probably on the Lakeland 100, um, I, yeah, I struggled a little bit on some of the checkpoints because um, they maybe didn't have as much savoury food. So I'm not very good at eating bar gels. I'm not very good at eating really, really sweet stuff because it makes me quite sick. So um, I did, yeah, so some of the checkpoints, it was a little bit, um, you know, going in and thinking, oh, Craigie, what can I eat that's not going to upset my stomach because sweet stuff would. And I think, yeah, knowing 
Well, what, what's brilliant is they do publish a list of everything that's at the checkpoints before the race. So you need to look at that and know if, if you do struggle to eat like I do, or if you do suffer with nausea, you've got dietary issues or something like that, know what you can get at each of the checkpoints that's going to suit you. And then, you know, um, carry if they don't, you know, if whatever is at those checkpoints doesn't suit you, then, you know, carry enough that's going to get you between the checkpoints and then make sure you've got plenty in your drop bag. So, for example, I run most of my races on gels. So I had hundreds of gels with me at the start and I had another couple, you know, hundreds of them in my drop bag. And that got me through most of it. Um, uh, yeah, because the, you know, the only other things I tend to be able to eat are like savoury things like pizza. And there isn't a huge amount of that sort of stuff in the checkpoints so it's knowing what works for you and if they don't have what you need unfortunately you need to carry it yeah so. yeah yeah i think what you just said there the drop bag in the hundred is just at dalmain is that correct you just get one drop bag and that what 60 or so miles in yeah but the good thing is you're more than uh -huh. halfway see so you might as well keep going when you get there so <laughs> so yeah it's just at dalmain so yeah just get yeah. yourself I, I put a clean t-shirt on which made me feel human again because I was absolutely filthy from the number of times I'd fallen over um, and uh, and sweaty and rank and uh, covered in sticky gels it wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't good um, yeah so and it's just having like a change of you know change of t-shirt or change of socks or change of shoes something to make you feel human again um, mm. and I picked up my poles then as well which made a massive difference to me ah yeah we should we should mention there just to clarify that that it's only the late 100 runners that have a drop bag if you're if you're in the 50 there's no drop bags for you it's checkpoints or carry stuff in your pack yeah um when you say that emma and one of the things it's a different thing you're saying about gel so i'm assuming that you you also said about keeping moving is the key because it can be very tempting for somebody who's not at the front end to spend a wee bit longer in a checkpoint, but you'll regret that later on the next yeah, yeah. day, you know? There's a phrase, and I, I'm going to credit it to Joe Faulkner, but I don't know if it is actually him who said it, but it's always it always sticks with me. Beware the chair. Beware mm. the chair. Do not sit down. So even if you go into a checkpoint, stay on your feet. It, it does make a huge difference because as soon as you sit down, oh, it's really hard to get going again, you know. And and um, yeah. So I only sat down once uh, in the hundred, which was at Dale Main, to change my my clothes. Uh, I didn't sit down at all beyond that. Um, same in the in the the hundred, the arc of attrition. There last week I didn't sit down at all I, I stayed on my feet the whole time because I knew as soon as you sit down everything starts to seize up and so, there's a switch in your brain as well isn't there when you you know that when you sit down it's like okay just take five minutes when in actual fact five minutes if you don't sit down you're five minutes further on the trail aren't yeah, you so yeah, yeah. I remember being at Chapel Style last summer 2022 and there was no seats and I said to I actually said to somebody is that you on your way then <laughs> pretty much saying give me your seat <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah no. just keep keep moving is a, a great and that's a, a great tip okay so sorry the 100 is totally different we heard than the 50 did you get the chance to recce 
the full 100 route before you did it last summer? Yeah, I did. So again, I'm lucky. I live uh, live in Penrith, which is just on the edge of the Lake District. So it's not a massive job for me to, to go and recce it. Um, again, I make use of the bus service. Um, don't forget, it's £2 now up until March to get a single journey, which is very cheap. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, um, it's really good. So yes, I might have a couple of hours traveling at the start of the day. But then, you know, you can do um, like I can get a bus to Coniston and then I can do from uh, I think I did Coniston to Keswick, which is a pretty big day. Um, did I do Coniston to Keswick? Yes, I must have. Yeah, I will have. It is a pretty big day, but uh, it's good training. Um, you know, it is good training and you just set out as if you're going for a big day out. And, you know, you get into that mindset of thinking, right, that's it. I'm going to be out for 10 or 12 hours or whatever it is and uh-huh. and just have a just enjoy the scenery, just enjoy the route. You know, it's part of it. Does that excite you, though, when you think I'm going to for 10 or 12 hours? Is it a, a good buzz feeling you've got or is it a case of 10, 12 hours I've got to be here the day? How does it feel for you? Oh, if you've got that, oh God, I'm going out for 12 hours. That's not, that's not, that's not going to be a good day out. No. You've got to set out with the intention of staying out for that length of time and getting into the right frame of mind for it. So like, it's, yeah, again, it's all, it's all, it's all in the head. It's just, you just, you know that it's going to be a long day. It might feel a bit rubbish at times, but it's, part of it just just enjoy it like it, yeah. it yeah just as long as you're geared up for it and you know that you're going to be out for that length of time and you've got enough gear you know you've got you know, you've got uh, plenty of food and plenty of warm clothing and, and things like that you just set out for an adventure and that's all it is just go out for a big adventure love it is that there's that e work adventure and i think um it is that eh? it's just getting in the frame of mind because if you start off on that big day out with a negative frame of mind then it'll likely unravel and will be a um, very fulfilling day but yeah it sounds like you've you've got that mindset yeah. well sussed don't, out emma don't go, you don't go out for a six seven eight hour day not feeling up for it because uh-huh. you'll regret it also on that on the day race day you're going to be out there six seven eight maybe 18, 20 hours, you're going to be out there. So you've got to get used to that time on your feet, feeling absolutely knackered, figuring figuring stuff out. When things are sore, how do you fix it? How do you move on? So you only get that through being out there for that for that length of time. Um, okay. Did you stay at the campsite? Mm-hmm. I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, I quite like the campsite. It's good. Bit of walking. Um, be nice with the scooters to transport you around at the end of the event. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was good. Yeah. Um, campsite's always really good. It's good buzz. Um, you know, especially with marquee and and everything like that. So no, it is good. I'd worth it. It's worth anybody doing the event. It's always going to be worth staying at the campsite. Um, the earlier you get there, the better your spot. Um, <laughs> oh, so. we know that well. <laughs> you know that yeah. See, we got we got sucked into well, we never got sucked into. We planned it. We were going for our dinner at the Cox Lakes. What do you call it, Stephen? Some 
place near Penrith. It's like a farm, farm shop type Aye. place. There's a so, cracking breakfast. <laughs> so we just said, so that we'll be in that spillover field. We're having our breakfast, right? That would be cool. And, and that's, ex- that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. But Bez, is, you're right. I sorry. You're right, Emma. By being part of the campsite and getting in, you know, you're you're getting the buzz beforehand and speaking to others, and there's that sort of adrenaline sort of bubbling away. It's quite a, um, no, it's not quite a positive place to be. It's a really positive place to be, and you kind of then get immersed into it all, the whole vibe and the, you know, that they've they've created there because it's such a um, setup. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty foolproof. Um, but you're right. A wee scooter or maybe a Segway or a golf buggy. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Just, uh, we'll transport that. you from the... We'll hear a word with that Mark car. fella. Yeah. We can, we can sort something out, yeah. yeah. Um, certainly, oh, I've got a VIP wristband, John. Um, I never know. I've got to say, or oh, one of them. I've, <laughs> got to, I've got to say as well that I'm still in touch with people that I met in the campsite over the last two summers. So it's a mm-hmm. great place to make friends and share experiences and find out what people are up to you know um certainly the people next to us they couldn't help but be entertained as soon as we arrived Stephen got the boombox out young hearts run free playlist is on the go absolutely brilliant i think one of the first songs that came on was the toy dolls nail the elephant so that sort of set the scene and we were we were, we were good to go <laughs> <laughs> oh man right john where are we we had a wee question set i've got a question that's come up on um the facebook page david douglas david douglas wants to know what you have for breakfast in the morning a race day or well the late 100 starts at six o'clock so it's a long long time since breakfast but typically what's your morning fuel um Ironically, morning fuel from Mountain Fuel, <laughs> usually. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to, um, so normally I don't really eat breakfast. Um, I'm, a, I'm one of these weird people that, uh, yeah, doesn't, doesn't eat breakfast, doesn't get on with breakfast. Um, key to staying slim, controversial, I know, but true. Um, so the yeah morning race i'll usually have like porridge or morning fuel or banana or something like that probably don't eat huge amount um just enough to kind of tick me over uh for a couple of hours um do like to make sure i get a bit of caffeine in there um gets you going for the day yep um yeah so that's usually what i would have yeah just a bit of porridge just kind of slow release energy um yeah awesome started well, the, while we're on the subject of food there's another um i think we maybe we've touched on this already though emma warwick taylor has asked also on the facebook page about what food does emma have during the course of this but i think we've covered that when you said it's yeah. mostly gels that you use mostly yeah? gels yeah i i know i can do 100 miles on gels um a lot of people might be shocked at that but um yeah if if I was going to be out for more than 24 hours, I would have to be eating a lot more solid food. But um, usually, yeah, from experience, I know that anything up to 24 hours I can do on liquid nutrition. Um, I think that's probably a fairly, I would say, reasonably common theme for quite a few 
female ultra runners I think I I, I, I think speaking to people I think maybe female long distance runners are maybe a little bit worse at eating than the men um but yeah it's 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 certainly something I want to get better at I I, I envy people who get to make use of all the free food at all checkpoints I have said I have said if I ever have a really bad race where everything's just gone I'm just going to slow right down and I'm just going to eat my way around and I'm just <laughs> going to just do that. <laughs> well, that's all the philosophy. Pizza, pizza is the fuel of ultra runners. Like there is oh, no yes. better food than pizza. And it's the one thing I can usually always stomach um, regardless of how I'm feeling. And it is something that is missing from the Lakeland 50 and the Lakeland 100. Oh, let's canvas. Yeah. Or has been, maybe. Yeah. There we go. You well, know, I didn't pe- see any pizza. If there was pizza, it did not cross no, my no, lips. It wasn't. It wasn't. I there. would have sniffed out pizza. Yeah. I would have sniffed it out. There was no pizza. And, and I think you could even drop the words ultra runner. Pizza's just a food of life. You can have it hot or cold. You can have it at three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon. It doesn't matter. I you know? It's the most, yeah, it's the most versatile food. It's almost handheld. Trees, huh? You can make a. It's handheld. You can make a wee sandwich. You can roll it up. A hair calzone. Yeah. We're coming soon. The Young Hearts Run Free Pizza Range <laughs> yeah. available in all good supermarkets. <laughs> Watch this space. Coming to Lakeland, coming to the Lakeland 1500 in 2023, the Young Hearts Run Free Pizza Box. There you go. Uh, Munchy box? No, sorry, what's the one? Oh, no, I I was holding back on my shocked face, Emma, when you said about the gels for 24 hours. What brand of gels do you use? What's your favourite? Some really tight. So I like the high five gels because they're really cheap. I'm not sponsored by High Five, although, you know, if you want to send me some free gels, they'll get used. Um, and then for special occasions, like big races, I uh, I, I splash out and I use Mountain Fuel. <laughs> so right, okay. Jellies, they are great. I love um, that. Special yeah. occasions, eh? It's like you have a, <laughs> yeah. maybe a yeah. nice frock or a, a nice going out <laughs> shirt. Yeah. Now you've got like special occasions gel going into the, the expensive box of gels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really... They've got their own little place in the cupboard, they stay in their yeah. own little box and I'll just, well just t- I'll take four. <laughs> Ration them. Brilliant. So it's when I'm really going to hurt myself, I'm using mountain fuel gels. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Okay, that I think. We're back to our set of questions, Stephen. We are. We're getting. We're rattling through them, John. We've got um, yeah. a, a good guest who can actually answer our questions as we ask them, which we like. Um, what in terms of the the kit? You, you mentioned about kit earlier on and a bit of kit management, but there'll be a lot of people wondering what shoes to wear. Do you know on that route? And I know it's one thing going and wrecking it, but no, everybody has the luxury of being able to get there. Maybe you know logistics whatever else what what did you wear and did you feel that you've got your shoe choices right yep so I originally had planned to change my shoes at Dalemain um but in the end I decided to leave them be because we're doing the job and um, they're the Scarpa Spin Infinities so they're mm-hmm. Scarpa's kind of ultra running um shoe which is super comfortable and um, 
the yeah they're kind of designed for for longer stuff um the grip on them isn't amazing because they're designed for european trails but actually oh, yeah. considering how wet the ground was they're absolutely perfect i i wouldn't have changed them at all i didn't have any issues um yeah i finished the race feet were fine um yeah and they were they were yeah bob on really really good on wet rock because they've got a vibram outsole so um they were really good when it was raining and i kind of on that second half is quite rock um kind of um stony rocky um so they were ideal on that uh didn't yeah. slip at all um yeah so uh yeah didn't change them at all i think had it been had the ground been really saturated uh, i think i probably would have gone for um something like the scarpa spin ultras which have much better grip um but yeah they're they would have been ideal if you know if it was just the whole place was a washout and it was just just really boggy but no i was happy with my shoe choice at the spin infinities as opposed to 2021 where i'm pretty sure there was a lad in front of me wearing vapor flies <laughs> Such it was that dry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck on that. We don't recommend these. No. Um, and in terms of kit, any other kit tips that ha- has served you well down in the lakes? Um, I didn't actually wear it, even though it was pouring rain for the second half of the race. It was really hot, mm-hmm. so I did or not hot, humid. So I didn't Lucky. actually wear a rain jacket. But as I've already said, a good rain jacket is will make or break you on the lakes uh-huh. so um yeah my favorite jacket at the moment is probably my my dynafit alpine jacket which i've had for oh crikey nearly how long about it two years now gets such abuse and it's still as good as the day i bought it uh or got it i should say i was gifted it <laughs> so um the yeah so i really like that so good rain rain jacket makes a big difference um yeah oh, other than that difference. Do you wear a do you wear a hydration vest or a, a anything like that? A yeah, yeah, yeah. I use. Uh, I've had since I started running. I've always had a, a, a Salomon one. So uh-huh. actually, here's an interesting one. So I've had my Salomon, my uh, Salomon red um, hydration vest, twelve lead one. I had it. I've had it since I started running, and uh, five days before the race. So it's done a lot of miles. Done thousands of miles. Five days before the race, my dog decided he was going to eat, uh, I don't know what was in it, a cho- chocolate bar or something. Um, <laughs> he decided he was going to eat it and he chewed uh, two massive holes in my very well-worn Salomon vest. So I did have to go out and buy a brand new Salomon vest five days before the race, ah. which was a little bit stressful because they've changed it slightly. And, you know, I'm not, I, I don't like change uh, <laughs> at all. And so I was very stressed about the fact I didn't know where I was going to put everything and where my pockets were. But actually, it's fine. It's a, it's a really good vest. And um, it's my old one has still, I've managed to get it repaired. And I still use it all the time. I was talking to somebody just yesterday about how we become attached to a vest because, you know, how to access things and people do they patch them up don't they because because companies change the models and they think this will be a good idea but all the runners are going 
No, 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 no. We liked it the other way before you made these changes. So yeah, definitely, because I think you get like your muscle memory of how to reach yeah, yeah. into pockets, and sometimes if it's even just moved like an inch up or something like that, you're like, oh no, no I can't now reach that bit. It's um, and it takes a wee bit of rewiring of your, um, you know, brain just to make the angles work for you. So yeah, well, but no, it is, it is similar. I, I, just, I just can't quite bring myself to completely throw away this lovely red salmon vest that has done thousands and thousands of miles even though it is falling apart but uh it's now now for racing i do use my new salmon vest just because it's it isn't quite as uh tatty <laughs> looks a bit better what color is the new one black uh-huh. they don't make them in any other color except black I've noticed right. that with a few companies, just black only. It's nice yeah. and gender neutral, I suppose, but yeah. I, I quite like my pink ones and stuff. Mm-hmm. How did your Lakeland 100 experience compare to what you hoped it might be? Do you want the honest answer? Yep. Mm-hmm. It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. I had such a bad race such a bad race and people will hear this and be like oh that's rubbish because because I did finish first female but I really suffered to get there I really really did suffer um I so it wasn't it wasn't what I had hoped for really in terms of kind of my performance and how I felt and how I felt I performed um but yeah I'm glad I did it and and do you know that the best thing about it is I very nearly quit um, I was unable to keep anything down, be that water, gels. I couldn't keep anything down. I was really, really sick. Um, and I was sick from about 20 miles in. Now, whether it was because I had set off too fast or whether it was because there had been a quite a nasty stomach bug going around work that week mm-hmm. or a combination of both, um, it made for a very, very, very miserable race where I just felt absolutely horrific for about 22 hours. Um, and I was particularly low going around uh, Oldswater um, just after Air Force, um, where I couldn't stop getting sick. Really, really was feeling totally depleted. And uh, I decided I was going to hand in my tracker at Dalemane because I was in second place at that time and um I just thought I'd lost so much time between Buttermere and um kind of Oldswater and I thought I can't do this I can't do this for another 50 miles and um I kind of made peace with myself that I was (laughs) gonna hand my tracker in and and then I kind of got on the road and I kind of managed to shuffle along a little bit and and then I got to um Dale Main and as I came around the corner at Dale Main I saw that the first place lady was just there going into the toilet into the portaloo and it was the most fortuitous timing really because if I'd been 10 seconds later I wouldn't have seen her gone into that toilet and that, and that would have been in I would have handed my tracker in but I kind of said oh wow I haven't lost as much time as I thought I had maybe I can give it a go maybe you know maybe you know my day isn't over yet and and I kind of yeah, I kind of got a bit of a second wind then and I, I got my poles and I still felt like absolute death. I just felt like awful, absolutely horrific. Um, but I got my poles and changed my T-shirt and kind of had a talking to myself and 
went on my merry way and and then I did start to feel better I think probably a combination of the fact that um I knew I was more than halfway so I knew that you know I only had 10 or 12 hours of suffering left and um that my race wasn't over because I was I could potentially take first place and it kind of gave me yeah it gave me a bit of a boost and so I think the most important thing for anyone like I cannot explain how badly I felt on the side of Old's water you know honestly horrific um and it goes to show that no matter how low you feel or how much you think the game is over it's not you can always come out the other side you always can and so that's the thing that's the most important thing is just you can always go further than you think you can and uh yeah and that yeah, and then my second half of the race wasn't brilliant, but I did feel a bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I was pretty, I was pretty poorly by the end of it. I was by the time I finished, I wasn't in a good way. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was, um, it was a learning experience, that's for sure. Can I ask a question? Did you remain in first female from Dale Main? Uh, yeah, so I kind of, I, I went into first place, kind of going up the hill from. Pooley Bridge and I think so much of it is psychological because that's like my home territory kind of Pooley Bridge Howe Town that's really my home territory and I absolutely love that section from the cockpit down to Howe Town and that really having a good run on that uh, you know and really enjoying that downhill section where you're looking over Olds Water and it was daylight at that point and and that just gave me that little bit of speed and boost that just kind of gave me a bit of distance and and then when you've got that distance you get a bit more confidence and then suddenly you think oh I can do this and uh, and then yeah and then I I kind of stayed stayed in first position after that yeah but that's that mental resilience and some something inside you drives you on something's in there isn't it and eat and this is a wee heads up to everybody whether it's a 50 or the 100 you will feel like shit at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you've just got, if you can, keep moving. Yeah. Keep doing it. So I suppose to to put it into context about how bad I was feeling, uh, when I finished, I I was vomiting blood. That's how bad I was. That's how bad my stomach had gotten. Um, So, you know, despite that, you can still keep going. Like, I wouldn't recommend it. But it shows that your brain can push you a lot further than your body thinks you can go. Yeah. And it's the same with first place male. You know, he really badly injured his ankle really badly. Um, in fact, I think he fractured it, uh, probably a stress fracture. Yet, And he did that at Braithways, yet he still went on and finished it. So it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy sport. But it's... I'm it's, just... Uh, I'm- it's, yeah, I'm just looking here, um, Emma, your your splits at the 100, you know, so you were in to Dalmain at 20, about 20 past six on the Saturday morning, keeping in mind you'd started at six o'clock on the Friday, yeah, um, and yeah, the, the 50 starts, I think around about 11, half 11, I think, you know, that we were congregating there, so you were five hours before us, you were, um, you'd already passed through that point, when the 50 races gathering there you get to see quite a lot of the hundred runners coming through and you, you give them a wee bit of encouragement and applause there'd be none of that there for you because you're um you know um, there for your 
morning bacon roll or whatever at, at 20 past <laughs> six but you certainly yeah you got out of that dip that trough that you were finding yourself in um particularly well when i look at your rest of your splits for the the remainder you got back into a decent groove yeah i did i felt really good actually like i have to say that running with uh people can make a huge difference so going up fusedale and um, i kind of caught up with a an irish a fellow irish runner called shane lynch and um we didn't really speak much but we just pulled each other along so mm-hmm. excuse me he kind of pulled me up on on the uphills because i wasn't i so i was able to run really well on the downhills really really well on the downhills but any time I went uphill, I felt so ill. Like the uphills, I don't know what it was about going uphill that just made me feel really, really ill. And so I was really slow on the uphills, but he managed to pull me up on the uphills and then I pulled him down the downhills. So we worked really, really well as a team. And I ran with him for nearly 30 miles. And that that kind of mutual suffering, we were both really suffering. But we were able to suffer together, albeit in silence, and that made such a huge difference. Yeah. And um, I, can't, I did have to leave him after Ambleside um, through false information that I was given, that second place female was right behind me. But <laughs> like I said, those 30 miles that we shared, I don't think I would have been able to do that kind of, well, it wasn't a fast pace, but that pace uh-huh. had he not been there. So even bodying up, if you're feeling really low, bodying up can can make a big difference. And and you don't need to talk. You can just mute, you can just share share that space and that. I think feeling. firstly, Shane will be thankful reciprocally of you as well. Mm. I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Um, but it is it's almost like you're halving your suffering. You're each other. You know, you're kind of passing it off, and somebody else is always is also maybe feeling pretty shit about things yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. It, it somehow <laughs> divides it a little bit eh? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking says me who's never done the 100 and um, found the 50 tough going but yeah I, th- I think I can sense exactly what you mean by that I think too it's <clears throat> from my own experience again I've only done a 50 it's sometimes a distraction from how shit you're feeling to be with somebody else and just yeah. maybe and if you if you Selling speak, it well. Hi. No, if you want to speak, you can share a story or you don't have to speak. You're just with somebody. And as you say, it's that motivation is keeping you going. So also, we disclaimer, not everybody will vomit blood at the finish. So don't, no, don't, no, don't, that, don't, that don't let that very, put you off. That, that, yeah, please don't let that put you off. Basically, what, what I think happened, I was vomiting so hard mm-hmm. <laughs> that I probably uh, had a little bit of a tear in, in the bottom of my esophagus. Um, so I'm absolutely fine. Nothing is. <laughs> and I just did the arc of attrition uh, just a week ago, and I can safely say I did not vomit any blood, and it was brilliant. brilliant. And I did. I barely vomited. It was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, but vomiting blood is an extreme example. It does not happen to everyone, but it goes to show that even when it is that bad, you can still keep moving. You can just keep moving. You might not be moving fast, but you keep yeah. moving. Even when if you think, name, oh, I just want to go home. <laughs> if your name's Emma Stewart, you'll be fine. You'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> Emma, uh, what, yeah. now, you're just as, sorry, Steve, on you go. 
No, mm-hmm. I was just going to say that at Ambleside you got a wee bit of info to say that second place was hot on your tail and that yeah. catapulted you out of that um, rather tremendous aid station that John was tempted to definitely beware of the chair himself down in. Um, soup and everything was on offer, I think, there, and, and that was tempting John. But for you, you also got a message to say somebody's making their way into Ambleside or, yeah, and that shot you off. Is that... That, that can act as quite the spar. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. It's amazing. But it was the same with my partner, James. Somebody at Ambleside gave him false information. So my partner, James, he finished third male. Uh-huh. Um, somebody also gave him false information that I was hot on his tail and I was not. I was like well over an hour behind him. But he put an absolutely massive spurt on, and I think he gained quite a few positions between Ambleside and Tilburthway. <laughs> but it's amazing what uh, what false information can can do in, in to spur you on if the information is like, yeah, yeah. Helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, so you're also leaving Ambleside and you're maybe feeling like it's starting to feel like the home straight. I know there's still quite a. Um, a fair bit to negotiate between Ambleside and the finish line but at what point were you no looking over your shoulder and thinking I've got this in the bag? Uh, the, the school? Maybe Tilberthwaite I think um, yeah I, I don't know what I mean I got to Tilberthwaite and I thought I thought I didn't have very far to go but it was actually quite a long stretch from Tilberthwaite to the finish Mm-hmm. It's a big hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably thought, yeah, that maybe I had it, I, I had it then. And that was that was a really negative thing for me. I really shouldn't have done that because I really, really struggled uh, up that last hill. Um, and uh, Debbie Martin Consani came flying down in her in her in tartan um, I think they were tartan running shorts and you know, and she was just like, get a move on. And I was just like, I can't, I can't. And I was, uh, yeah, I think that was, I think, yeah, I kind of gave up at that bit because mm-hmm. I kind of knew I probably would be able to finish in first, even if I crawled to the finish. Yeah. And then I was a bit gutted really with, with myself because my watch had died. It had died kind of just after chapel style. And I didn't really know. Well, A, I for some reason forgot the way down to Coniston, even though it's literally just a track and you just follow it. And I stopped and I got my phone out and I was like panicking about where I had to go because I didn't have nav on my watch. And uh, I lost a huge amount of time after Tilberthwaite. And I'm still to this day, it really annoys me because I think I could have quite easily done under 23 hours because I was 23 hours and five minutes. and and right. I easily could have done it under 23 hours if I'd known how close I was. And again, that's just me. That's that's what I like to set myself targets and like nice. I like nice round numbers. So a, a sub a sub 20 something is always like appeals to me. And I was a we bit annoyed. But I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. I should be so happy that I finished and, you know, I did well and, and things like that. But that's just me I'm harsh on myself you know I I know I know I can do better at certain things and for me the race was tough it was hard yeah yeah ah well if it was easy everybody would be doing it Emma exactly like farming it was easy everyone would do it there's another there's another good bit of learning in there as well though 
and for people who are maybe doing the 50 or the 100 for the first time this year, you will learn so much that after it, you'll reflect on and think, if only this, if only that. So that's just part of the game, isn't it? It's what we do and it's how we learn and how we sometimes, um, we mentioned at the start about people going back because they're wanting to right a wrong or you know what I mean? So that's that's what can happen. You mentioned a number of things. How were your feet at the end? Were they all right? Yeah, my feet were grand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only thing that was bad was my stomach. <laughs> uh, well, I want I want to speak about that, but I was I want to speak about your feet and your legs. But let's let's just take the whole body in, right? You mentioned about the vomit and blood and things like that. you after winning first female place in the late in the hundred. How long do you do you take time off to recover? How how do you recover from that? Oh, I'm a big believer in rest. I do love rest. Um, I must have taken, I'll have taken a couple of weeks off. I can't quite remember. Um, I know that I had a bit of a gap, probably had a seven, eight week gap before my next race. So yeah, I did, I did take some time off. I genuinely believe that rest is such an undervalued component of training. Um, so I don't believe in running seven days a week smashing out and do you recover well are you generally a quick healer uh i would say so i think um yeah i think so uh it's hard to say like you'll always be sore for a day or two afterwards but touch wood i, I don't have any major injuries um i didn't have any major injuries um bar my stomach <laughs> um but uh, yeah, I think I do. I think strength and conditioning plays an important role. I think um, it's probably something that runners maybe are getting better at, but I think runners can always do better. Strength and conditioning, really important. Um, you're not going to get bulky by lifting weights, but you will improve, you know, you'll increase your resilience and resistance to injury. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an important part. Um I can't remember, like I say, I can't quite remember how long it took me to recover. I would say a couple of weeks. I know certainly like after the arc last week, mm-hmm. uh, I am back out running again. Um, that's, yeah, week's recovery. Uh, don't really have any injury issues or injuries. So, and I think the biggest difference between that training block, the Lakeland 100 training block and this one is that I've definitely done a lot more strength and conditioning. So whether that's helped with recovery yeah, I would say so. So we have three advocates of strength and conditioning here today, Stephen. <laughs> yes, yes, we definitely we're, do. We're late to the party, but we're joining in now. We are. I mean, it is a pain. It's an absolute pain having to go to the gym to do it, but it's a means uh, to an end. It's like hill reps. It's a means to an end. <laughs> oh, I'd give me hill reps over strength and conditioning any day of the week. That is, yeah, I'll hill rep my, out my nut, but uh, ask me to lift a weight, and I'm like, but <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> okay, we edging towards the latter part of the show, John. We are, but I've just had a wee question popping in my head. It, it actually happened earlier on when uh, Emma was talking about scooters to get around the campsite and stuff. And it's a question we had a wee chat with Mark, Stephen, and I. And he asked us about 
if we went to the after party, the presentation thing, and we were like, nah, we're back up the road. We were having a dinner at Coxlakes again before we get back up the road. So, did you go to the presentation ceremony, Emma? I'm assuming you I did. I did. I did, yeah. yeah. Would you recommend it? I would, yeah. Um, I felt pretty rubbish, but yeah, I would go. I felt hungover. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. hungover, but I felt hungover. Uh, but yeah, it's great, great atmosphere. Um, really great atmosphere, actually. Yeah, the support's incredible. And even just uh, acknowledging all the marshals, because at the end of the day, the race couldn't be run without those marshals. So I think yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. even if you're not interested in seeing the podium finishers or um, you know the category winners, I think just being being there to acknowledge the the great work the marshals do is yeah. uh, well, well worth said. it. Well said. And I think the first time Stephen and I were there in 2021, I think I just I, I was like it's like Glastonbury, but it's like for running. You know, it's just a awesome awesome atmosphere. So if this is your first summer doing the 50 or the 100. You're in for a great time, um, and then just embrace it all. I think I'm going to have to go back to just go to that presentation ceremony because I do. It's been I watched the video later on and I thought we should have went to that because it just looks absolutely brilliant. And you're right, it's a, a chance to say thank you collectively to the marshals because you thank them as you're going along, the marshals and the volunteers, and um, but it would be great to do it on the Sunday lunchtime, have a couple of pints maybe. As well, would be good. Yeah. Went to that on offer. That that beer stall in the marquee at the end's always got a hefty cue at it anyway. So <laughs> rehydration, shall we call that? Correct. Isotonic drink. Okay. Well, Emma, lastly, one your your favourite part of racing the Lakeland. Fifty, hundred, just your favourite takeaway. Favorite part, um, it's, for me, it's it's the scenery to some extent. But I think because I love the scenery because I live in the lakes, the scenery is just fantastic. But I think for the race itself, I think it's the support, it's the the spectators, you know, the people cheering you as you're coming through Ambleside, the people cheering you at the end at Coniston, the people in Dale Lane at the start of the fifty. Um, all the marshals that just you know they treat everybody as if they're exactly the same and they're all a, a hero um so yeah i think it's that atmosphere that support that's just incredible that atmosphere. kind of egging you on i i agree that was um a, a big i was shocked just at quite at the scale of the event the very first time that we went and the whole atmosphere and positive vibes that you picked up through that and i think that's what yeah you're expressing there that's that i can relate to it yep. okay well i think that's us drawn to the end of our debut show hopefully we've no grilled you too much emma um thank you very very much for giving up um an hour or so of your time to regale some of your your lakeland trails and experience and stories and learning i think that the learning that you expressed there around about um, and i think as well i sense that there's maybe a a bit of you wants to go back and give the hundred another another chance at that that 2305 maybe nagging away <laughs> a, a wee itch needing scratch there um but but we'll see yeah maybe. maybe i don't know part of me does part of me does 
But part of me is is afraid that I would repeat what I did the last time. And I know, I know I don't have to, you know, I, I can do better. Um, managing myself better. Uh, you know, like I said, the arc of attrition uh, was my perfect race. And <laughs> if I could apply that to the Lakeland 100, I think it would be a superb day out really more um, pleasurable yeah more pleasurable yeah, yeah too right yeah it's my home turf I should be able to enjoy it um <laughs> so yeah maybe maybe but not I don't think for for a couple of years maybe um yeah I think I've, I've a few other things I want to tick off first and then I might come back and attack it with a vengeance <laughs> so what we can what we can confirm to Mark is Mark she never said no so <laughs> no well, exactly <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely okay um yeah well i i want to wish you all the best for 2023 another big year and also congratulations on that superb magical out and down in cornwall last week because we were watching your dot fly around that coast um and it was yeah it was a sight to behold i was like that's storming where's going no stopping yet so massive well done on that and yeah the, the great recovery that you've made out running already fantastico so thanks mega thanks for joining us today it's been really really um great chat john oh, thank you it's been good fun thank you yeah <laughs> no it has been really really good I, and you know what the, the whole purpose of this was to speak to to you obviously emma but to inspire people and give them tips about coming up and the, the race that's going to be happening in July this year. And I think we've covered that loads, absolutely loads of stuff, some great learning. I've learned loads. I always do from speaking to people about running. And that's why we do what we love. We get out there and we go and we have, have a wee adventure in the lakes. So I cannot wait for this all to happen in July again. It's going to be fantastic. But Emma, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you very much. Thank you. One thing for those who are competing, most important thing is have fun. That's the most important thing. Enjoy it. Well said. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.